Hey, 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 Erica here. Welcome to this episode and thank you for being here today. I want to start off real quickly with a quote by William James, which says that if you can change your mind, you can change your life. Hmm. (laughs) What do you think? Is it really all that simple? In today's episode, we are addressing the topic of stress. Stress is such a popular buzzword nowadays, isn't it? But what is it really? So let's talk about stress, shall we? We all have stress. Whether we are career people or parents at home, whether we are in our 20s or in our 50s, each of us goes through stressful situations in our lives. Ups and downs are an inevitable part of life. In its popular usage, the word stress has become an umbrella term covering all the various pressures that we experience in life. But here's a fun fact. In small quantities, stress can be good. It can be motivational and help you be more productive. For example, when working under time demands in a project, we are finely tuned to respond protectively during periods of stress and then recover. This is acute stress, or sometimes known as good stress. It is essential to life, helps us to respond in emergencies, and has the effect of producing an increase in the level of performance. The nature of stress is not as important as the amount of it. When the amount of stress exceeds an individual's tolerance level, that boost in performance can start to decline. When stress gets too much and becomes out of control, it affects our own being as we are not meant to be under stress for a prolonged period. This is when damage occurs. Most people have this misconception that stress only happens inside our head. Well, I'm here to let you know that stress is not just in the head. Our brain, mind, thoughts, and bodily responses are completely intertwined. Stress affects us on a physical, emotional, and mental level. When we are stressed, There are physiological changes that can be measured, including hormones in the blood, sex hormones, anabolic growth hormones, and changes in the cell. Stress acts on the sympathetic nervous system, creating what is better known as the fight or flight response. When this is triggered, your body goes into survival mode. Blood vessels constrict and draw blood from where you may not need it and takes the blood to areas of the body that will need it more. This reaction has its place 
when there is an occasional threat to our well-being. However, the problem is that people are walking around with that response in action on a daily basis in reaction to life's many challenges and problems. If you live in the stress state 24 hours and never give the body a chance to recover, you may become burned out, unproductive, and completely run down. In the long run, this state can take a severe toll on your health. They don't call stress the silent killer for nothing. When stress exceeds the normal levels, it may weaken the immune system and make the body more susceptible to infection. It can contribute to the development of disorders such as hypertension, heart disease, peptic ulcers, digestive problems, weight gain or loss, and many other ailments. Illness is a disease in our body wrought by an imbalance of our energy body when the prana or life force gets blocked. The body is energy comprised in atoms. When we experience emotions, every emotion has its own frequency or vibration. If powerful enough, your whole being takes on that vibration. When the body cannot work through this, it gets left in the body. Maybe we bury the emotion and don't allow it to surface. Or maybe it's just so big we can't deal with it. We now know that this may manifest a few or many years down the road in some form of discomfort, physical, emotional, and mental. Stress can be socially contagious too. Studies also show how our stress responses ripple out and are passed on to our partners, our children, and the people all around us. Even though they may not be part of the situation that caused you stress, they feel the effects. However, we can shape our stress response. If you can maintain a healthy stress response, Research shows that inflammation remains lower and the overall response is more effective. We can be more aware in the moment and we can rethink it. Like, I'm going to use the extra surge of adrenaline to boost my performance rather than, "Uh uh-oh, I'm getting stressed, this is bad. While this can be difficult to choose in the moment, this is where mindfulness comes in. If you think the mind has nothing to do with stress, I want you to think again. Stress can come from any situation or thought that makes you feel frustrated, angry, or anxious. Have you ever considered how the same event or challenge can be experienced by different people, and yet the effects on their lives and bodies can be completely different. What is stressful to one person is not necessarily stressful to another. Martin Seligman, who is considered the father of positive psychology, noted that it is not 
the potential stressor itself, but how you perceive it and then how you handle it that will determine whether or not it will lead to stress. Have you ever had the experience of reacting in an excessive way to an event that is out of proportion to the event? Usually this happens when we are under pressure and we feel anxious or vulnerable. At other times when feeling calm, we are able to manage major stressors without too much effort. Often the stress is in fact unnecessary. So what would be considered unnecessary stress? Think about worrying about something before it has happened or reacting to a situation rather than responding, putting yourself under unnecessary pressure, repeated negative and self-critical thoughts. There are usually many ways of seeing an event and many potential ways of handling it. The way we perceive and evaluate our problems will determine how we respond to them and how much distress we will experience. While there will always be many potential stressors in our environment, which we may not have control over, by changing the way we see ourselves in relationship to them, we can actually change our experience to the relationship with stress and therefore modify the extent to which it taxes us. Day after day, our thoughts and emotions are driving changes in our bodies, in the world around us. As I've discussed in previous episodes about the mind-body connection, if you think that initial negative thought persistently, it becomes a belief, a worldview, and is accompanied by emotion. So now you are racing your cortisol repeatedly. High cortisol over time leads to reduced muscle mass, reduced bone density, increased skin wrinkling, degradation of digestion. In addition, calcium gets laid onto your hippocampus, which houses the memory and learning center. So now your mind and brain are changing and all those negative body changes have not in fact risen from physical trauma, but from thoughts and stress. Therefore, we can build up our inner resources. We can be more resilient and capable of responding. Inner resources may include your own beliefs, your view of yourself, and your ability to recognize thoughts that do and do not serve you. That is where mindfulness comes in. In addition, outer resources may include family, friends, and like-minded groups. So spending time with loved ones, having a supportive network, working through emotions, and using healing techniques like meditation, elicits an increase in hormones and neurochemicals for happiness. Science is showing us that aging signs and physical discomfort start to move in reverse. 
if there is anything to take away from today's episode, it is that you have the power at all times to respond rather than react. At any moment in time, a person may be encountering a combination of internal and external stressors that trigger a cascade of feelings and behaviors that we call the stress reaction. Stress reactions are pretty automatic and unconscious responses. They might have been learned or modeled for us, and we react without conscious choice. What happens is a hyper-aroused state where blood pressure and pulse rate are increased. If these happen repeatedly or frequently, it can lead to dysregulation within our bodies and maladaptive coping. But let us consider the stress response. This is where we are still likely to experience arousal, but at the same time, there is an awareness of the body response in terms of breathing rate, muscle tension, and so forth. In essence, it is the healthier adaptive version. It is where you choose your response through moment-to-moment awareness. By increasing your awareness, you are in fact already changing the stressful situation as you are an integral part of it. And this interchange now presents a range of options for influencing what will happen next. Being conscious in the moment means you can recognize your thoughts and feelings and sensations in the body and be cognizant of the hold the situation may have over you. And then you can choose to respond. This comes about due to the mental training of our minds. We recognize our buttons and what triggers us. And as always, this takes practice, okay? And a good place to start when you are in a stressful moment is to come back to your breathing, which is calming. When you learn to channel your energies in this way, you bring about equilibrium and therefore not generate further stress. Having an alternative way of handling pressure can reduce our dependence on the common and maladaptive ways we usually resort to. And as mindfulness practices become more familiar to you through formal daily practice, it becomes easier to draw on these practices when you need them. So, Now that we have gone a bit in depth on the topic of mindfulness, let's talk a bit about health. I want to remind you right now, this moment, that health is your body's natural state. I'm going to repeat that. Health is your body's natural state. Dr. Mario Martinez, a clinical neuropsychologist and author, developed a theory of biocognitive science based on research that demonstrates how thoughts and their biological expression co-emerge within a cultural history. He coined the term mind-body, that essential oneness of cognition 
and biology. He stated, we know that mind influences the body, but what influences the mind? Better yet, what influences the mind-body? He proposes that cultural perception influences mind-body processes and that the beliefs around longevity and the causes of health are inherited. He studied a group of centenarians to work out what brings about health. He found that they have six of the following similar traits. One, many of them are rebels. They walk to the beat of their own drum and have done so all their lives. Two, they make rituals of pleasure a part of their day. They look forward to savoring what brings them joy. For example, they might have a shot of whiskey or smoke a fine cigar every day. Think about a Japanese tea ceremony. Three, they are not codependent. They do not stay in relationships that are unhealthy or dysfunctional or with people who have addictions. Four, they live in communities where they are revered. They surround themselves with people in situations where they are respected for their contributions and wisdom. Five, they do not go to doctors, in part because they have outlived their doctors. But also, because they're not spending time at doctors, they aren't focused on their possible decline. Six, they are future-oriented. They make long-term plans because they see themselves thriving in the future. Dr. Christiane Northrup is a visionary health pioneer, women's health expert, and wellness speaker. She details her view of the causes of health as follows. One, have a relationship with a higher source. When you connect and reconnect with spirit and honor your own spirit, it can give you a different perspective on your own health and your ability to create wellness. Two, manage stress. Stress wreaks havoc on the body and can cause a cascade of problems, including mood, sleep, and blood sugar issues. Chronic fear, resentment, anger, and sadness trigger stress hormones too. So it is important to actively address physical triggers like mood and blood sugar, as well as emotions like anger or sadness. Three, sleep. There is no better way to rest and restore at the cellular level than sleep. Our bodies were designed to regenerate, but they need your help. Managing your stress, meditation, any form of mild exercise, getting the proper nutrition, and sleeping seven to 10 hours are all excellent ways to support renewal. Four, become aware of your thoughts and emotions. No matter how well you address your physical health through sleep, eating well and exercise, your overall outlook on life and accompanying emotions can overwrite this if they are not healthy. She says, if you believe you will walk hunched over a cane at at age 70, chances are you will. 
While there is certainly tremendous value in providing the nutrients your body needs and a need for medical tests at times, take time to really listen to your thoughts. Elevated cognition is about thinking positive and uplifting thoughts and seeking out good news. And the next important step is to express the emotion that arises and not suppress emotions, good or bad. Five, seek the feel-good experience. Find what brings you joy and do it often. Whilst also learning to express anything that brings you negative emotion and release it. Dr. Northrup talks about exalted emotion, feeling ecstatic emotions regularly, and engaging in things that bring you joy. And on the other side of the coin, she considers righteous anger, which is expressing and acting on justifiable anger as an important way to release emotion from the body. I have said this before in a previous episode, and we'll say it again. The body is very intelligent. The body is very intelligent. Agreed, the body is the subject of constant stressors, both internal and external. As an integral part of the human machine, it communicates what it needs in order to survive and cope with stressors. We just need to actively listen. When we are confronted with difficult emotions, maladaptive ways like self-medicating or practicing denial are frequent ways people cope with undesirable feelings. What if instead we leaned into these unpleasant feelings as messages from our bodies to our brains? Although relieving in that moment A maladaptive coping mechanism can be detrimental to health. They don't facilitate the long-term improvements we need to address the actual source of discomfort. The concept of body intelligence houses a range of tools that can be used to strengthen the mind-body link and assist us in working towards positive well-being. Body intelligence cannot remove illness, but It can attune you to what your body is feeling. It can alleviate certain symptoms of stress, such as chest pain, headaches, heart rate variability, and others. A study found that for medical students, maintaining a positive attitude was crucial in their preventative health measures. Students with a positive attitude accepted preventive counseling better before stress or disorders became all-consuming. This example of disease prevention is a key example of how attitude shapes other aspects of life and impacts our health. So the big question here is this, how do we influence this unconscious dynamic between our thoughts, emotions, and physical sensations? Well, this can be done through mind-body integration. The body-mind integration field includes several disciplines and approaches. And here's the main goal of this technique. The goal of mind-body techniques is to regulate the stress response system so that balance and equilibrium can be maintained and sustained to restore prefrontal cortex activity, to decrease amygdala activity, 
and to restore the normal activity of the HPA axis and locus cerealis, the sympathetic nervous system. As I continue to touch on over the next episodes for this season, there is a wide range of what may be considered alternative techniques aiming to increase awareness and strengthen the mind-body link. Examples of these modalities include mindfulness, meditation, relaxation, biofeedback, and practices such as yoga, tai chi, and qigong. One mindful practice tool that I love to use is affirmations. I talk about affirmations so much that I even went ahead and created my own affirmation page on Instagram. If you would like, click or tap the description box to see the link to the page. The reason I use affirmations is this. Most don't realize that the words we speak and think hold great sway over the kind of life that we create for ourselves. Many people, and probably many or most of us, have a stream of negative thoughts through their minds. And our subconscious tends to accept these statements. But similarly, it is also equipped to instantly accept the veracity of our affirmations. We are so powerful when it comes to our thoughts. What we bring to a situation in terms of our backgrounds, our past experiences, our beliefs, and so forth, all have an influence on the present moment. When you focus your thoughts on a particular outcome, you in fact begin to pave the way for the desired result. In his book, Count Your Blessings, Dr. John Demartini opines that thoughts are the mind's nutrition. And if this is true, how do we ensure optimum health of our minds? Let's take a closer look at affirmations. An affirmation is a conscious thought which tends to be positive and powerful and aims to support you in some way. Using affirmations can be a great way to tap into your strengths, focus on the good in your life, uplift your mood, and create a more positive reality. When we are stuck in a particular situation that provides challenges to our mental and emotional selves, finding an authentic healing affirmation can go a great way to reminding ourselves of our foundations. Importantly, there needs to be an element of truth when creating and using affirmations. It needs to resonate with you and feel right. You need to be honest with yourself and know which affirmations you can genuinely believe in. Affirmations are statements chosen and spoken consciously. Once they enter the realm of consciousness, they also enter our subconscious mind where they have the power to change our lives. It is important to create affirmations for yourself which genuinely reflect who you are and what your strengths are. Then you can build on those affirmations from there. So how do we go about it? Word it positively. Try to focus on what you have or want, not what you don't have or don't want. You are affirming what is already true. For example, use an affirmation like, I feel compassion and kindness towards myself during difficult times, rather than, I don't engage in negative self-talk during difficult times. Really try to identify what you want and create your affirmation based on that. Speak in the present tense. 
Create affirmations based on the present moment. For example, I am self-compassionate rather than I will be self-compassionate. Or if there's something you really want for your future, see if you can find a way to relate it to the present moment. So rather than one day I will be kind to myself, try every day I am finding new ways to be kinder towards myself. Be specific. Form the affirmation in complete sentences, but do not make it too long. And then repeat it daily. So what happens? Your reality will begin to reflect your affirmations. We consciously and subconsciously invite opportunity into our lives when we say affirmations. Here are some examples. As I believe, I achieve. The more I love what I do, the more I can do what I love. I take action steps in love to overcome the fear. I am grateful for everything I am, do, and have. When I accept responsibility for my daily experiences, I open my heart and mind to guidance from my inner voice. And some tips and simple tips for incorporating affirmations into your everyday life are to write your favorite affirmation on a piece of paper and stick it somewhere you will see it regularly. Use an encouraging affirmation during exercise to help you keep going. When you look in the mirror, use a self-compassionate affirmation. Save your affirmation as a screensaver on your phone. Think about your affirmation before you go to sleep at night. Choose one or two simple affirmations to support you during times of stress or overwhelm. We know that stress can have a significant and unhealthy impact on our whole beings, but we are able to change our relationship with stress just by changing the way we perceive it. And as we form adaptive ways to address stress, we become responsive rather than reactive in overwhelming and challenging situations. Health is in fact our body's natural state. We are built to be healthy. Developing our body's intelligence is important in bringing about body-mind integration for optimum health. We can enhance this through supportive practices. A helpful mindful practice is affirmations. Choosing to think and speak truthful positive thoughts. As you repeatedly affirm these positive thoughts and beliefs, these qualities will come through your everyday life. In everything you do, and ultimately have an effect on all your relationships. You will begin to find these attitudes influencing your thoughts and experiences. You're able to deepen your connection to self and to others. It's important you keep in mind your intention in this process to remind yourself of why you're expanding your energy. Thank you for listening and see you on the next episode. Until later.